Thanks for listening to the Mornings with Carmen LaBerge podcast, made available thanks to support from listeners just like you. Your daily encouragement that God has the world in the hollow of his hand. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. If we're gonna Well, good morning. It is the 6th of February, 2023. I'm Carmen LaBerge. Good morning. You're joining Mornings with Carmen here on the Faith Radio Network. Thank you so much for including me in your day. There's been a devastating earthquake on the border of Turkey and Syria, technically in Turkey, but the communities impacted um, stretch for hundreds of miles. The death toll has surpassed some 1,300 Scenes, not only via media, but social media, of pancaked buildings across several cities, hospitals destroyed, roads impassable. And so even as people are pulled using very heavy equipment um, from the rubble, there's nowhere for many of them to be taken for treatment. The death toll is expected to rise probably dramatically. Um, And we're going to discuss this situation with Mindy Bells at the top of hour two today, but I wanted... um, to make you aware of what, in my uh, estimation, is the most significant news of the day. Uh, Again, a 7.8 magnitude earthquake in southern Turkey, just just north of the Syrian border, which is, you know, a part of the country we've been talking about as an active war zone, active conflict zone uh, for more than a decade Today's Growing Your Faith verse of the day comes from 1 John chapter 4. We, we talked about a couple of verses from 1 John chapter 4 at the end of last week. And so as we read verses 18 and 19 today, I really want us to read this in the fuller context of 1 John 4, 7 to 21. And so I'm going to read uh, the verse of the day, and then I'm going to read it in its context. So 1 John 4, 18 and 19. Such love, which is one of the reasons I have to provide context, because how could we start a conversation about a verse that talks about such love if we don't know what such love we're talking about? So there you go. Uh, Such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. If we are afraid, it is a fear of punishment. And this shows that we've not fully experienced God's perfect love. We love each other because God first loved us. So that's 1 John 4, 18 and 19. Let's read it in its Uh, In its context, 1 John 4, 7 to 21. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that God loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also are to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us of his spirit 
And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them, and they live in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God, and God lives in them. This is how love is made complete among us, so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear, because fear has to do with judgment, and the one who fears is not yet made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God, but hates his brother or sister, well, they're a liar. For whoever does not love their brother or sister whom they can see, cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. This is the word of the Lord. A couple of quick headlines here uh, this morning before we jump into our conversation with our friend Dave Buring from Lion Share. First of all, it might be really, like, really cold where you are. It was really cold uh, over the weekend in the northeastern United States, and then it got strangely warm. So on Saturday, the Mount Washington Observatory, um, we're talking here about New Hampshire, uh, recorded a wind chill of 108 Fahrenheit, negative, negative 108 Fahrenheit, breaking national records. An Arctic outbreak sent temperatures um, plummeting about 30 degrees on average across New England. Uh, it caused Maine to, quote, feel frost quakes that uh, caused by underground water freezing. So if the ground literally shook where you were over the weekend and you were in the northeastern United States, what you felt was a frost quake. For our friends in Hartford this morning, good morning to you. Uh, Saturday was weird, right, in Hartford? You went from a negative 9 to a high on Sunday of 51. Yeah, that's, that's a little bit more than a warming trend, from negative 9 to 51. And yes, the Grammys were held last night. Uh, Viola Davis became the 18th person to achieve an EGOT. That's an Emmy, Grammy, Oscar, and Tony. Um, but Beyonce probably is the one leading the news about the Grammys today. And I think what we should highlight here, first of all, she's now the most Grammy-decorated artist of all time. Um, but I think what we ought to highlight here are her comments. Beyonce said, thank you so much. I'm trying not to uh, be too emotional. I'm trying to just receive this night. Now, I want you to listen. Listen carefully here. I want to thank God for protecting me. Thank you, God. I'd like to thank my Uncle Johnny, who's not here, but he's here in spirit. I'd like to thank my parents, my father, my mother, for loving me and pushing me. I'd like to thank my beautiful husband, my beautiful three children, uh, who are at home watching. I'd like to thank the queer community for your love and for inventing this genre. God bless you. Thank you so much to the Grammys. Thank you. Now, first, I want to say that a heart of gratitude is... Um, is right. Like, right. She's, uh, she's not, she's not saying that, uh, any of this is her. And so there's a, there is a humility here and there is a gratitude expressed. And I appreciate that. I certainly appreciate that she, uh, she lets God lead the list of those um, whom she is thanking. But I will say from a worldview perspective, there's a disintegration here. There's a confusion here. 
Um, and I hope that even just in my reading it, you were able to discern the confusion articulated. Um, Every step of the way. Dave Buring is joining us now from Lion Share. Good morning, Dave. Good morning, Carmen. All right, it's the month of love. A lot of people are going to be focused on February the 14th in particular. I saw an ad yesterday um, for all uh, all the single women out there, apparently now celebrating Galentines, uh, you know, for gals, uh, not right. selling Valentine's Day. Interesting, a um, <clears throat> little bit like Friendsgiving, I suppose. So yeah. talk with us about love, um, particularly as... God rehearses it for us in 1 Corinthians 13. Yeah, and I think it's interesting, you know, you starting the the show today with the earthquake because it's a you talk about a need for an expression of love for those people right here right now. It's huge. And when we look at this whole thing of love, it's important to recognize that the context here that Paul is dealing with where he's dealing with things of going on in the church of everything from division to people sleeping with people they're not supposed to, to the way that they're handling communion wrong and, you know, leaving people out. And, and it's in that context that he drops this whole thing on love. And the thing I like about 1 Corinthians 13 is this specific expressions of love. And it, Paul's not saying these are the only expressions of love, but he gives us a real sense of what this looks like and how when we yield to the Holy Spirit in our lives, how Jesus can express love through us to those around us. So I want to um, spend a little time going um, going through this and talking about um, these descriptions of love. Um, and so when we come back, uh, Dave Buring is going to help us unpack love that is patient, kind, not envious, not arrogant, not rude. Love that does not insist on its own way is not irritable or resentful does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. Love that bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. A love that never ends. You want some of that love this month? Stay tuned right here. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show carried on the Faith Radio Network. There's a lot going on at Faith Radio. Tons of free resources just waiting for you and for you to share with others at MyFaithRadio.com. How does that all happen? Well, it happens through listener support. So Faith Radio, Mornings with Carmen, all available because of listener support from listeners, well, just like you. If you're a supporter, thank you so very much. If you'd like to become a supporter today, just visit MyFaithRadio.com. And again, thanks for being a part of what we do every day at Mornings with Carmen. Love is patient, love is kind, never jealous, free of pride. Continuing our conversation with Dave Buring from Lion Share. You can find what we're talking about at lionshare.org. Um, Dave, just walk us through 1 Corinthians 13 and help us understand um, God's love. Yeah, well, we'll dive into a few of these. I think one of the things for me, Carmen, that I learned when I was about 18 years of age as a young missionary with Youth of the Mission, and the first kind of definition of love that I learned was this. It's choosing someone else's highest good. And I, that became a very practical thing for me, choosing somebody else's highest good, regardless of what I thought, what I feel, 
how my relationship might be. It's choosing their highest good. And then Jesus tags on the thing of laying our life down for somebody. So I think if in the big picture, we think, what is love? It's choosing someone else's highest good and it's laying our lives down for them. But when you get into the nitty gritty of it, I'll, I'll take a couple of these and then toss it back to you for, for your own thoughts. One is love is patient. This is one that I think uh, a lot of us can wrestle with. Um, it, it's interesting because in the original language within, in the New Testament was Greek. The, the meaning of this was patience with people, not just kind of life going on, but patience with people. And it's a specific kind of patience, which refers to the restraint of power. In other words, when you have the right and or ability to pull a power play on someone, you choose not to. And you don't avenge yourself when you have the opportunity to. It's that kind of patience. And it's the patience of the father running towards the prodigal son who had had the patience to wait for him to come. So I think love is patient is a great one to start with here. I'll, I'll pick another one or two. Love is kind. Uh, this kindness isn't just, you know, being nice or polite. It means actually doing something beneficial or useful for somebody else. It's looking for ways to use what you might have, whether it's gifts or resources or opportunity to bless somebody else. That's kindness. That's like a great thing we could all experience a little bit more here on the planet. I, I like this one as well. Love is not arrogant. Love doesn't operate out of arrogance fueled by its root insecurity. Like oftentimes, I think we love Carmen out of insecurity because we want the bounce back, right? Hey, I really love you. And we set it up there because you're waiting for someone to say, and I love, I you, love too. you too. Yeah, yeah. And it and it it doesn't display itself. In other words, it's really very much there for the other person. It sees somebody else's value, contribution, and affirms and honors them. And I think that's a really important one when it comes to love is that we pause to recognize the contribution of other people in our lives. That causes maybe a thank you for being in my life to come from our mouths. I appreciate um, pointing to something that we often say. And we say it in different contexts and maybe with different expectations. And sometimes we say it without like really thinking about it. I don't know about you, yeah. Dave, but I, yeah. I sign off yeah. in phone calls with people like people who I love. Right. I sign off. Hey, yeah. love you. You know, like I said yeah. goodbye. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Paul Perot, who's producing this show, um, knows that. Um, and from time to time, I sign off on professional phone calls the same way because <laughs> I'm like, I don't it's my. Like it's genuine, it's true. Yeah, of course but in it is. our but in our culture, it's a little bit weird. And mm. so I think that for Christians, um not only uh expressing love in ways that are thoughtful and planned, it's just okay sometimes for us to just express love because it's just wells up within us in a way that we can't hardly resist. Um yes. talk with us talk with us about I, I these these two about Love not insisting on its own way and love not being irritable or resentful. Like these, mm. I think these are really important for mm. us in the culture today. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it is a, in light of kind of some entitlement world that we can live in, this not insisting on our own way. It's really interesting that he puts this in here. I think of Philippians 2, where Paul says, let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. And sometimes what this looks like is it's laying our lives down for somebody else. 
It's choosing to meet their needs, maybe even desires over our own. Uh, sometimes this means making decisions against ourselves. And so it's it's one of those things that, you know, can be really, really practical for us where, you know, as a husband and, and a wife, it might be, you know, like I'm a, I, I enjoy football. I grew up playing it. I coached it. I enjoy it. But there's times that I need to lay my life down by just turning that off. Thank the Lord for DVRs, right? And and turn it off so I can do something that Cheryl might want to go do. And she loves me enough to know that if there's some, she's not going to make plans on a Super Bowl or if she knows my team, the Minnesota Vikings are on TV, she knows, she doesn't make plans. She she does the same thing, laying her life down for me. But if it's mutual, which is God's intention, see, then you're serving one another. The, the irritable part, I think, is a really big one. I agree with you on this. It's it's the meaning of it is not being easily provoked. And it doesn't trigger others' triggers. How's that? Uh, it's it's not being overly sensitive or touchy. Like people don't feel like walking around eggshells around you. Like it's just not it's just not a loving thing when people are having to gauge one's mood to see if they can be approached. And so, how do you not be irritable? For me, when those kinds of things come, I just usually confess them to the Lord. And I know there's something else behind them and underneath them that I need to get before him and deal with. Yeah, not triggering others' triggers. Man, we certainly know how to provoke one another, right? But not necessarily do we know how to provoke one another to love and good good deeds. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's a really helpful one. Um, love bears all things, believes all things, hopes mm. all things, endures all things. Love never ends. Mm. One, of the, um, one of the things that you talk about is um, just the practice of reading this passage of scripture and repro- replacing the word love with the name Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, that helps us make sense of this, doesn't it? It does. And um, it helps us understand how he sees us, uh, feels about us. Um, and again, if we go back to our definition of choosing, love is choosing someone else's highest good. Like, think about that when you put the name of Jesus in, how he consistently chooses our highest good, even though we haven't earned it, we don't deserve it in our, because of attitudes and sin and selfishness and pride and all those things, yet he is consistent to us. And Carmen, I would say it's another huge conviction point when I do another thing and I put my own name in there. You know, is mm. Dave patient? Is Dave kind? Does Dave believe all things? Is Dave arrogant? Is I mean, that's another... You know, and I might just well just make sure I have time because repentance will follow. <laughs> and uh, but it's another way to be able to kind of look and and see, all right, where am I in some of these areas? And I think what's important is not only doing a self-analysis on this, but whether it's a spouse, a dear friend, is having a conversation and saying, Where where do you see me in this? Not not for criticism, but for growth. Where what areas this year could I grow in when it comes to expressing love? Well, and that gets to the reality that in the life of a Christian, where the Spirit is is present and indwelling, um, love should be present as present as like fruit, as evidence yeah. of the Spirit's yes. presence and work in my life. And so, yes. there's a bit of a fruit inspection going on here. 
um, you know, thinking about what it says in Galatians 5. And so uh, I think this is really good, Dave. So take, uh, if you're listening right now, take this today as a as an exercise. You might need to carve out a little more time than, uh, you know, just a few minutes in the car in the parking lot because um, this does take a minute to do. But turn to 1 Corinthians 13 and walk through the passage. Read what it says about love, the love of God, the nature of love, and then replace replace it, read it um, with Jesus as love. So Jesus is patient, Jesus is kind, Jesus does not envy, um, on and on and on. And then, as a measure of your own spiritual growth and maturity, see how it sounds when you put your own name um, in there. So, you know, when is Carmen irritable or resentful? When, when, does Carmen, when does Carmen not believe all things or not hope all things uh, or uh, is not enduring in the midst of all things? Those are really good questions to ask us uh, or to ask ourselves and then yeah in a in a relationship with somebody else to sort of test our own fruitfulness in this area of life. Wow, Dave, um what a gift. Thank you so much. So much more there in that passage than um than just a wedding verse. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Indeed. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much. Hey, next time, can we talk about friendship? Yeah, I'd love to. Yeah. Yeah, a lot, a lot of folks uh, interested in that topic. So next time Dave Buring's with us, we're going to talk about the spheres of friendship. You can find what we talked about today and lots of really great resources at lionshare.org. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBurge, and this is Faith Radio. once said, there is no joy in this world like union with Christ. The more we can feel it, the happier we are. So what is union with Christ and what is the state of your union with Christ? We're going to talk about the state of the union here in just a moment with Adam Carrington. Um, The president of the United States is going to deliver the state of the union. Um, That's the plan uh, tomorrow on Tuesday. But I really want us to just consider for a moment um, all of the places in the New Testament that talk about union with Christ and our union with Christ and in Christ. It's a dominant theme in terms of what it means to be a Christian, like what it means to abide in Christ and dwell in him and have a union with him. It really is at the center of Salvation and sanctification. It's central to um, what we experience as Christians in the world. It's not about what we do. It's about who we are in Christ. So when I say union with Christ, and when I ask you what the state of your union with Christ is, how would you answer that question? What's the state of your union with Christ? Dr. Adam Carrington up next on the State of the Union. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Dr. 
Dr. Adam Carrington is joining us uh, from Hillsdale College. You can find him on Twitter at Carrington AM. Good morning, sir. Good morning, Carmen. How are you? I'm well. I'm well. All right. There is going to be, I mean, uh, we make this assumption, but it's planned anyway. It's on the calendar. There is going to be a State of the Union address tomorrow night um, by the President of the United States. And so I thought it would be really fun to just have you address the State of the Union. Like if Adam Carrington were delivering the State of the Union, they tend to fall in uh, in into like big subject matter categories. There's like the surveying of the current state of things. And then there's this casting a vision for the state of things to come. Um, so would Dr. Adam Carrington be willing to offer us a sense of his own state of the union address today? I, I think I could do that. Uh, even though the constitution doesn't let me do it officially, unlike the president. And, uh, I, yeah, I, I think that it's something though, that it's not bad for all Americans to do, to think about, where are we to take stock uh, almost like we do at New Year's uh, each year? And one thing I think to do to say, how is the State of the Union now is to ask by what standard? And the standard I would go back to is the Declaration of Independence, our statement of the American mind made by Thomas Jefferson. And that claim said that the the purpose of government is uh, to protect uh, our unalienable rights that were given by God, and in particular to institute government as a result of that that is in line with our safety and happiness. And I think those may be the two things to focus on when the Declaration says we want a society and government that we have safety in and that we have a way of at least pursuing our happiness. I think that's what we should be should be talking about and there are some good things that are happening in the country, and I don't want to deny those. The most recent job report, which was a huge surprise that we have added over 500,000 jobs in one month, is not a bad thing that people are finding work and that they're able to therefore have financial safety for their families and then um, uh, pursue some happiness that you can get with that financial stability. But I think that many are not experiencing the safety and happiness that they they most need. And there's a whole list of things that the State of the Union, we need to be concerned about. Um, inflation, obviously, being one of the worst that over the last year, families have been making about the same amount of money and not able to make ends meet the same way because of the huge rise in gas prices, food prices, other things. And that that is both a safety, safety of the family and economic concern. Uh, we have concerns with uh, the international sphere. We are involved in the conflict in Ukraine and involved, as we just saw this last weekend, with the spy balloon issue that's unfolding with uh, an, a ramping up tensions with China and, uh, you know, one of the reasons we have a constitution is to protect ourselves against foreign threats and to protect our place within the world order. And so there's lots of concerns there that, um, you know, our interests may be in trouble, but even our safety, if, if some of these conflicts were to escalate. Um, we have domestically, uh, crime has continued to be 
uh, an issue. Violent crime is still way higher than it was a few years ago. And that obviously uh, makes people feel unsafe and and uh, hurts their 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 lives and their and their property and even their liberty. Uh, and I, I would say that uh, the the other thing that is still, I think, too under the radar are uh, what we call deaths of despair, that there are people across the country who are um, dying and you can say the direct cause is, you know, alcohol or illicit drug use or a whole host or, or taking their own lives. Uh, the, the rise in, in, in suicide has been really troubling. Um, but that uh, ultimately these play into the, the, the economic and safety concerns we've seen before, but that they're ultimately uh, spiritual concerns and that uh, we need to really be thinking uh, before I get to my 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 plans, uh, but we need to be taking account that this is more than just something that that is coming out of our physical needs, but our spiritual needs. Uh, and finally, I would say uh, the deep partisan divisions that uh, we have always had disagreements politically, and those disagreements have always been vibrant. They've always been uh, intense. But that we often are now looking at each other as if we're not even fellow Americans, that we are like as if the difference is not between two wings of 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 the country under the same constitution and history, but as if we're, you know, monarchists fighting against uh, Republicans or, you know, as if we're 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 some sort two different uh, nations or three. And that <laughs> these kind of divisions and how they play out racially or or socially or educationally um, is, is a real cause for concern as well. So, um, you know, I see a lot of good still in America, uh, the way people still help each other, the ways people still take care of each other when they're, when we've had these tragedies over the last year, but this epidemic along these other lines, I think mean that the state of the union is, is not what it, needs to be and what we should demand of it for again the safety and happiness of our people which has been something we've been committed to since 1776 and i think should continue to be committed to going forward all right i've been taking notes um and so when we think about the state of the union here in the united states of america how do you as um as a citizen feel um, how do you feel about the state of the union positive or negative uh, uh, and feelings are a terrible barometer of the truth. So then let's, we start dissecting it. Um, Adam is offering us a standard against which to test the state of the union. And he's lifted up the declaration of independence. That seems like a really good, uh, a really good measure. Um, and so when you compare the state of the union to what the declaration of independence lays out as not only our hope, but the purpose of government in achieving that hope, um, are there some things that you can look at and you can say, yeah, these are these are basically positives. Um, and I, I think on the positives list, I would put um, we have lived for a very long period of time with a relative peace that has given us a lot of prosperity um, into which we can lean in times that are likely going to be more difficult. And so I guess I'm hoping that Christians in particular, but Americans in general, 
have been um, preparing in times of prosperity for times during which there will that will be less prosperous. Now that's I might be foolish to have that hope, but um, I so that's but then the negatives list, Adam. I agree with you. Um, people do not feel confident about the future, right? Uh, inflation is a part of that, and it's not only eroded our ability to pay for things today in real time. It has eroded what we thought we had saved for the future. Um, and so the value of our retirement accounts or the value of our investments that we'd made um, that we plan to rely on in the future, those are gone. Um, international relations, I would definitely put on the list. And then here, domestically, in addition to concerns about crime, um, which then I think is related to, to why people buy guns, like there's a gun ownership, like more people buy guns when people don't feel safe, but that doesn't necessarily make us more safe. Um, deaths of despair, I would absolutely like add in there lives of despair. There are just so many people living in despair. Um, the partisan divisions that you've noted. And then I have this like rattle them off list, education, immigration, abortion. I mean, there's, there are things that are on the list that, um, homelessness that I don't know that as a people, we really know how to systemically or systematically address. Um, And so in many cases, we've like given up and that's not a good place to be either. Um, Let's have um, let's have you share your the second part of your State of the Union address, which is always the part where the president like casts a vision for a better state of things to come and how they plan on their side of the political aisle to achieve that, um, which always ends in like partisan clapping one side of the aisle over another. I'm hoping that um, in Adam Carrington's version of the State of the Union this morning, there could be uh, clapping on both sides of the aisle and you could help Christians understand like where we might get a foothold in moving the culture forward. Could we do that? I I hope so. And I will say, I I think that uh, the way the speech could be much better tomorrow compared to past speeches is for it to be less a laundry list of 30 things that he would like uh, the president would like done and to speak in terms of vision with some very narrow but particular how could we do something about it rather than I, I you know trying to uh, make it a laundry list and mm-hmm. I think that the way you, you do this is again to use the standard of safety and happiness and I think that um we need to continue to do some of the economic things we've been doing to try to get inflation under control. Uh, I think what needs to be added to what the Fed is doing is to reduce spending so that the government is not inflating the currency through its spending. I think we need, though, at the same time to be thinking about how we can partner with the states to give relief. Some states are even thinking, like my own state of Michigan, of giving out Uh, inflation relief checks. Is there a way that we can do that without bolstering inflation? I think with the international conflict, I do believe that we need to show toughness to both Russia and China so that they don't believe they can bully the international sphere. But I would have a hard commitment to not putting boots on the ground, uh, to not putting American particular lives at risk to try to, 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 to accomplish these goals. Um, I think with some of the others, the the idea of crime, I think we need to both uh, uh, make the p- police departments um, beef them up, put more into policing, 
to try to um, uh, 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 you know step up our, our toughness on crime in certain areas because certain areas that we think we're serving are actually being hurt by a lack of of that. But I also think we need to professionalize the police department more so that we can train better to de-escalate some of these awful situations that I know even in Memphis right now is being dealt with to try to make sure that while police are protecting against crime, they themselves are not hurting those they're supposed to protect. I would add with uh, deaths of, of despair and even lives of despair that something we need to add there is we need to have a better vision of human beings that is not so tied to the idea that they are just bodies that are seeking pleasure. I feel that we think that way too much about human beings, whether we mean to or not, and that we need to um, recognize and and have real ways of, of uh, providing and encouraging through our churches, which we, I think as, as a government, we can at least encourage and ask them to do. But also, I think there's ways we can concretely as a government um, really uh, try to bring people together to spiritually help each other and to find, you know, new hope in, in, in that. Uh, and I think that uh, you mentioned immigration, which I hadn't mentioned, but is a huge issue. I think we finally need to come together and bring the sides together to say that border security matters, but that we need to think how to compassionately address those who have come here already and that there really is a way of bringing those two two sides together. And that if we put those things together, that we can have a safer country through crime, uh, uh, through the international sphere being brought together. And we can truly have a happier society by recognizing that we are people with souls, by really working to fight the conditions that are causing people to be so um, uh, isolated. And I think uh, maybe one more thing is how can we cultivate again local and particular community rather than have national government be a way that intercedes and and conflicts with that? I think if you put those things together, that's a decent vision. Yeah. That's so good. That's so good. All right. We're going to return to this conversation in just a moment. Um, If you were going to put pencil to paper today and give a speech tomorrow night about the state of the union, um, how would you how would you compare the state of the union today to the vision cast in the Declaration of Independence? How is our government functioning positively to protect our inalienable rights instituted by God? And and how is our government providing for safety and the pursuit of happiness uh, and then where are places where things could be improved and how would you cast a vision for that in your own family, in your own church, in your own community? Because after all, we are um, a government by and for the people. We're going to continue our conversation with Dr. Adam Carrington in just a moment. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Listen to Faith Radio live or on demand no matter where you go. Download the free Faith Radio app at your app store today. Dr. Adam Carrington is with us. We're talking about the State of the Union and what it might sound like for you or I to deliver a State of the Union address. I think that as individual Christians, there is a spiritual opportunity um, every year at this time to consider the state of our union with Christ. Jim in Simsbury, Connecticut, texted in on the text line, always open, 877-933-2484. I'd say the state of my union with Christ is growing but still woefully inadequate. Well, there you go, Jim. You are in Christ and with Christ, and he's going to uh, help you today by the power of the Spirit to uh, to make your union with him 
a lived reality uh, in the world um, that he so loves. Um, Adam, let's uh, let's continue this conversation a little uh, a little bit further. Are there things in terms of we as individual citizens? Are there things that we can do to improve or advance the State of the Union? Oh, absolutely. And I think that one of the problems, if you go back to Alexis de Tocqueville when he was praising the American Republic in the 1830s, when he went as a Frenchman throughout the country, he said that a difference between Americans and, say, Frenchmen or the British is in France, if there's a problem, they the French immediately go to the government for a solution. In England, they immediately go to a noble or lord to try to fix the problem. He says in America, what do they do? They they pull themselves up and they get together as communities, as neighbors, and they form their own associations to try to address the problem. And that he found that to be an extraordinary good for several reasons. One, it created and sustained a kind of self-governing independence where you weren't dependent on you were dependent on your neighbors but you weren't dependent on a, a distant faraway government it also really bound americans together i think part of these deaths of despair i was talking about is a kind of loneliness that we have where we don't know who our neighbors are and we're meant for community god created us for it and we're not experiencing it and the idea of coming together to do so, I think it, there's it's still there in America and needs to be cultivated even more. And one place I'd point to, you mentioned abortion, is in the aftermath of Roe falling last summer, we just need to redouble our efforts at places like crisis pregnancy centers. Uh, churches need to support them. Individuals need to volunteer and support them. It needs to be not just monetary or donating goods, but there's often parenting classes and counseling and other things that are offered to those at risk in the community. So I I think uh, uh, those kind of things, working together in your local community to help those that are in crisis pregnancies or those who are at addiction uh, clinics that are, are, are struggling with addiction or all these other hosts of problems, uh, pooling resources as people struggle with inflation. Uh, I think these are all ways that uh, Americans can do themselves. And I think also they can model Christian love and how they talk about politics, because it doesn't mean that the greater politics doesn't matter, that elections don't matter. But are we speaking the truth in love as we're engaging with our neighbor that may not agree with us, uh, as we're engaging online on those kind of discussions? And I think if if we build community locally and speak the truth in love um, nationally, uh, those would be two massive steps that individual citizens can take toward a better state of the union and a perspective to then dive into all these particular issues that we've been talking about. I think it would be a really helpful lens. Yeah, investing, investing, investing. And that is not just uh, financially, but in terms of prayer, time, talent, energy, um, organizational efforts. Yeah, I just think that's so wonderful. Invest locally. And then model Christian love. And then you can fill in the blank after that. Model Christian love and how you talk about politics. Model Christian love uh, as you help your neighbor. Model Christian love as you build your local community. 
um, model Christian love. That's so good. The state of our union would be vastly improved if the state of our individual union with Christ were expressed uh, more fully all the time and everywhere. Adam, that's so good. Hey, we're going to celebrate the 50th anniversary of Schoolhouse Rock here in just a moment. Um, is there one you can still sing? Uh, I can still sing part of I'm Just a Bill, although nice. I'll admit uh, the Saturday Night Live had a sketch making fun of executive orders uh, <laughs> that was a mock of that, and sometimes that gets in my head too. So, uh, no, okay. Schoolhouse Rock, I'm, I'm very thankful for. I still have students when uh, I'm trying to explain the legislative process or some of the other things, that's still some of their go-to. So I appreciate the groundwork it's laid still in students even today for me as I'm teaching what, what I teach. I love that. All right, be thinking about um, your favorite schoolhouse rock. Which one can you still sing? That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Conjunction, junction, what's your function? Hooking up words and phrases and clauses. Conjunction, junction, what's your function? I got three favorite cars that get most of my jobs done. Conjunction, junction, what's your function? I got and, but, and or. They'll get you pretty far. And then there's these additives, right? There's and, this and that, but. Sort of the opposite, not this, but that. And then there's or, O-R. When you have a choice like this or that, and, but, and or, you get pretty far. Conjunction, junction, what? Yeah, it's the 50th anniversary of Schoolhouse Rock. I'm wondering which one uh, you can still sing. Maybe it's I'm Just a Bill. Maybe it's Lolly, Lolly, Lolly. Get your adverbs here. Maybe it's Unpack Your Adjectives. Yeah. What um, what sings in your heart? We remember them because they were sung and we learned them when we were little. Thanks for listening to Mornings with Carmen LeBurge. Podcasts like this are available because of your support. If it's important to you to hear things that encourage your faith, click the link in the show notes to give now. And thanks.